deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors. And I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors. And you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Being a partner, you really can kind of just add to the partnership through your strengths and you basically partner away your weaknesses and other people's strengths to make up for your weaknesses. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Osh. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does. I've known Slocum for years and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner-operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed, and I'm here with Matt Bettinger. Matt is joining us from Jones Creek, Georgia. He's a principal at M2K Partners, which owner operates mobile home parks. They currently are in general partnership of seven parks with just under 800 sites. He's also an LP in a mobile home park deal. Matt, can you start us off with a little more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Sure. I've been in the mobile home park space for probably about six years. So I started off with a couple different groups, right? A couple different just conglomerations of partners who wanted to get into this space and pretty much exited all those positions last year. I sold a, a, another park in Alabama with that other group, another one in Florida, actually two others in Florida. One was last year, the other was the year before last. And then we just sold a, our third one last year with my first group with M2K. So a lot of exits last year, a lot of kind of unwinding previous partnerships. But right now, we own in Michigan, currently Ohio, Texas, and Alabama. So I feel like a long road to getting to where I want to be. 
You know, a commercial real estate investing podcast is the only time you're ever going to hear someone refer to mobile home parks as sexy, but they're way sexier now than they were in 2016 when you first started. That makes the last couple of years a good time to be a seller of mobile home parks, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it does. It is funny. One of the things I remember when I first bought my first mobile home park, I was telling my parents, I was all proud of myself. And my mom goes, what are you doing? And it's funny, right? Because she says, what if there's a downturn in the economy? I go, well, that's when we run out of poor people, I guess, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting. Is That's one of the benefits of it is that it's somewhat recession resistant. So I've been in for a little while. Yeah. So what were you doing before mobile home parks? I still have a W-2 and I am a IT portfolio manager. So I manage many IT projects for a company through drink distribution. Were mobile home parks your first foray into real estate investing? Yes. And I remember it actually was a conscious choice. I went down the road of, okay, I've got to find something. I was always scared to do single family, to tell you the truth. And it's just kind of dumb. I don't know, just the thought of putting all my eggs in one basket. So I ended up looking at several different sectors and it ended up being a choice between self-storage and mobile home parks. And I went mobile home parks just because... I'm sure that you know of Frank and Dave, right? I ended up going and taking one of their weekend boot camps, but I've loved it. Gotcha. Most people right now, at least, they end up in mobile home parks and or self-storage because they were apartment investors and apartment investing in their mind got too hot and returns got too compressed. You started looking at those asset classes when real estate investing in, in general was less crowded and those asset classes were less popular in 2016. So I want to ask 2016, Matt, why those are the two asset classes that stood out? So I always liked the idea of the whole concept of lot rent as opposed to owning the home and renting the home. So you didn't have to worry about the toilets and the paint and all that stuff, at least on the inside. Obviously, if you're a park owner, you want to make sure that appearances of the home are maintained on the outside. But whatever they do in their own home, if they want to punch in a wall, something like that, of course, we don't recommend. It's their wall, not yeah, yours. Yeah, it's their wall, and they've got to fix it. And kind of the same thing with self-storage. What you find out, and, and that's the thing, right? Once you get into mobile home parks, you realize it's not a hands-off business by any means. What you give up, which is taking care of the toilets, electrical, and all that stuff in the individual homes. You're, you're doing a lot more hand-holding, a lot more training of tenants. You're dealing with a lot of issues that it, you really probably don't run into as much, at least as far as the A, B-class apartments. Gotcha. You're saying that when your mobile home park tenants get behind in rent, they don't catch up? It's that, and it also has to do with when you first buy a park, because we tend to do turnarounds, and when you come in, it's just the amount of lift not only fixing up the empty homes, which is a good deal, right? It's also just all the cleanup and the enforcement of rules that probably didn't happen before, where people have three or four cars in their yards that that aren't running and junk all over the place. Just getting rid of that and getting people retrained that, hey, let's show some pride of ownership here and let's turn this place around and make it a little better, right? So most of the heavy lifting is up front with the whole COVID thing, depending on state, We ran into a lot more issues with people not paying in certain states. There was help by the local or state government that we had to go through certain processes, things like that. Maybe they did run into that in the A-class apartments, but I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Sounds like 
You're giving me a lot of good reasons to consider self-storage instead of yeah, mobile home parks right it, now, but you chose mobile home parks. So why that instead of self-storage? I'll say one thing is that it's funny because I know of two people that started around the same time that I did and have since just kind of given up of in course. mobile home parks. And they owned, right? They owned a few and they just said, you know, it's just not worth it. I can understand in certain cases where people don't want to continue on. You chose... Mobile home parks and self-storage because they seemed to be less laborious than apartments. And then you told me how laborious mobile home parks oh, are. Yeah. So the question was, why then did you decide on mobile homes instead of self-storage? And why have you continued in that for the last six years? I still like it. I love it. My partners are great. They make it a lot easier for me. Both of them are really good, both Nick and Katrina. Katrina is in charge of operations, so she bears a lot of the brunt of dealing with all this stuff that I'm talking about. So she deserves a lot of credit here. And Nick does a lot of the turnaround. So he's been in charge of going in. Like one of the parts we bought in Michigan was 20 or so empty homes. And so we're able to go in and redo them and all that stuff. So what it comes down to, to me, it comes down to choosing the right partners makes it a lot easier than it would if I were doing this on my own or if I chose partners who, who had the exact strengths and weaknesses that I do. Also, there's just the well-known market. When looking at mobile home parks versus self-storage, mobile home parks, you can't build them. Well, you can own a self-storage and someone will build one across the street. So there is that threat in storage of prices going down or, or your pricing power going down to increase competition. They really don't run into that with us. So. Are you still buying mobile home parks? Trying. It's, it's, get, well, it's getting harder and harder, right? That, that's where I'm going with the question, right? Because to your point, limited supply. And from the landlord investor perspective, increasing demand. So you're seeing compressing returns when was your last acquisition of a mobile home park? Well, it was in January uh, of this year, but even then it wasn't us finding it. I mean, we had JV with another group who were turnaround experts, let's say. That's the 400 spaces in, in Alabama. I mean, we've been able to buy just about one a year, but we've been really choosy. And honestly, the one in Michigan, we've more than doubled the value. The one in Texas we bought right and was through, we, we JV'd with another guy who found it. We were able to kind of go through and get rid of a lot of the issues there, but we've increased the value there a lot. Same with our Ohio park. So these have been turnarounds. I think the people who are buying fully turned around, turnkey at five caps, I don't know how they make money, especially people that are on our size. If you're one of these big REITs, I mean, that's a possibility where they've got really cheap money that they're getting from insurance companies that are expecting like a 4% return or something like that. Matt, I like the points that you're bringing up. And keeping in mind that the Best Ever podcast is a daily podcast specific to commercial real estate investing. And that, you know, about every couple of weeks or so, we have a mobile home park specialist on the podcast. We also have a very sophisticated listener base for this podcast. So I get the feeling that a lot of our listeners are aware that mobile home parks are hot. Thank you, Brandon Turner, for telling the whole real estate know, really. world that it needs to get into mobile <laughs> home parks. Thank you for making it so hard. Thank you for compressing returns. I'd like to speculate about the future with you, recognizing that we're talking about speculation. To your point, 
fully stabilized market rent five cap mobile home parks? And how could that possibly work? So I want to play devil's advocate and try to explain how it could work. And then let maybe this will help me. Yeah, please be realistic and tear me down. Like that's the whole point is to have this conversation. But it's worth noting that we are recording this episode in mid-April 2022. Consumer price index record, inflation, highest since 1981. Here's an argument for how that stabilized five-cap mobile home park deal could work. While we're seeing inflation and we're seeing the Federal Reserve attempt to taper inflation with increasing interest rates, one of the things that's doing is it's increasing the cost to borrow, making it more difficult to fund development projects, also making it less affordable for people to be first-time home buyers. While this effort from the Fed may reduce inflation, it's also making home ownership, apartment development, home development more expensive, which is going to force a lot of people to remain renters when we already don't have enough inventory of rentals for people to live in, which is going to push a lot of people downward. People who should be buying, staying in A and B class apartments, meaning those apartments are not available, pushing more people into C class, pushing more people into mobile home parks. It's a fixed supply. Demand not only for investors, but also renters will increase. That demand increase will accelerate because of what's happening in the economy. Rents go up. And even though that five cap is stable now, the rents are so much higher five years from now that it still sells at a profit that gives the solid returns to investors. Now, I'm not sure whether or not I believe yeah. everything I just said, yeah. but it is an I, argument listen, that the buyer could have made when they bought listen. it. So let's talk about that. Now, I agree. I think it's possible. So if inflation goes up, right, your rent's going to go up with inflation. Um, yeah. That but I agree with, but I'll tell, you, if, I'll tell you one thing, though. Yeah, is that the people who bought a five cap, let's say, and and I'm just doing the math in my head and I'm not saying that I've got all the answers. I could be totally wrong here. I'm fine with that. But what I think gives you the biggest risk is if you have short-term debt, right? Like five-year debt and you bought at a five cap and you realize, okay, rates are going up, which also means that it's also going to push your cap rates up theoretically, right? So I don't know. It's always possible, but I don't think people are going to make as much as they think they are. I think it'll be an okay return. I'm not saying that they'll be giving them back to the bank, but it's a guess. If you're buying something where there's no upside, it's a bigger risk. Slocum, the investor, agrees with you. Slocum, the podcast host, wants a juicy conversation. (laughs) So so let me go ahead. Um, now, I was going to say well, one thing, one thing that I'm sorry, well, one thing that we're doing at, at M2K and we're trying to f- figure out alternate ways to get it, stay in the market, to get other people that invest with us in the market. So we start coming up with a lending platform and it's not like fully baked, but we're trying to get it out there probably within the next two, three weeks where we basically get with investors and find operators that want to buy a park that maybe is is under the level of a major bank. And if they're looking for short-term loan, short-term meaning like two years max, to be able to package up people's investment money into a loan. And then basically that'll get a lot of our investors pretty good return. And as a backstop, right, if everything goes to heck and 
they stop paying and we have to foreclose. Well, then we've invested along with them and we'll go in and run the park and turn it around. So it gets people to invest in the space. Maybe the people are a little too scared or don't have the experience to do it and they want to dip their toe in. This would be a good way for people to dip their toe in. So we're trying to figure out some of these alternate ways of expanding and kind of getting into the market more. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years. And he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. That sounds like it could be very fruitful and hopefully adapting your strategy makes it easier for you to write offers that can get accepted nowadays, right? On the deals that you can find. Yeah. But to my devil's advocates point, first of all, Coming from an emotional place, one of the things that I'm experiencing is that other investors are willing to outbid me because they have lower return needs. Yes. Um, and their business model can handle lower returns than mine requires. So there are people out there typically because they have a lot more money or because they're not as dependent on the real estate investing to cover their lifestyle the way that I am. They're just able to afford to pay more because they need lower returns than I do. But also, I don't know that I can rationalize a scenario in which rents do not continue to increase given the current economic and global climate. Inflation goes up, rent goes up. Inflation goes down, it's gone down. What has forced it down is also going to end up preventing the development of new inventory. Yeah. Fixed supply, increased demand, prices go up, not just for investors, but also for renters. Yeah. So let's be emotional. As angry as I am as the guy who pays for the, the five cap stabilized, because that's an, that's an opportunity <laughs> that to some degree feels like it's been taken away from investors like me. Man, I can see where, while I'm not going to be the guy who does that, I'm forecasting rent growth. I'm investing, yeah. I'm underwriting more conservatively yes. personally, but I'm having trouble seeing 
even if the economy as a whole goes into a recession, I think rents keep going up. I agree. We've definitely loosened up our underwriting and as cap rates have compressed along like five years ago, I would have never paid for a seven cap. I never would have, but now that would be a pretty good deal these days, honestly. So I agree with you. I think another thing that can help, and and this is another thing we're trying to do, because we lost out on a deal earlier in the year because we had put in the best offer. And then we were basically outbid because the other bid was a little bit lower, but it was an all cash offer. So some of our investors, we've got two that are our family offices that we're trying to negotiate with, like where we're, hey, if if we look at this deal, we find a deal, can we give an all cash offer? And they would just basically front the money for us for a fee or a you know percentage or something like that, a very large payday loan maybe. And hopefully that makes us a little bit more competitive with the bigger folks. So that's another thing that, that can be done. I'm getting the feeling that our best ever listeners are telling us it's time to stop whining and start talking about how we're actually adjusting our analysis and how it is that we're adapting to the changing climate. So outside of relaxing your cap rate needs to adapt to the changing market, what else are you doing to put yourself in a position to write competitive offers? You mentioned one thing, some of your investors being family offices, can they put you in a position to make cash offers that can have a better chance of winning at a lower price point and therefore higher day one cap rate? What else are you doing? We've got a marketing department basically where we still market direct to owners. And it's also just getting on the phone with them. I think a lot of times when they get these calls from folks it's either a recording or they want to set up a call. I think it's a little warmer. A lot of these folks who still haven't sold, they want to hear somebody. They want a good story. They want somebody who's going to take care of their baby, right? The, you know, the, totally. the, we're just not going to knock it down or kick out a bunch of people and all that. I know that that's helped us with two of our acquisitions where we, we're up against others. And so it does help. Other than that, I'm not sure. I'm really talking with investors. I mean, for my partner, Katrina, she was up this week at our Michigan and Ohio parks, and she spent a lot of the time going around and meeting other owners, other local park managers, park owners. Yeah, direct to sell. Stuff like that. Yeah. Totally. And, and honestly, at that point, I'd rather sell to her versus some rando guy out of New York that they've never met that probably owns about... 90 other parks and doesn't give a damn about them. Yeah. I heard an interview of Tim Ferriss once. He's written all the four hour books. Oh yeah. He's awesome. He is. And I hope all our best ever listeners are familiar with him and what he's written and done. In the interview, he said that all tactical advantages in business, especially when it comes to acquisitions, all tactical advantages can be categorized into one of three groups. There are informational advantages, analytical advantages, and behavioral advantages. So when you're making a decision about acquiring a mobile home park or an apartment building or whatever asset, an informational advantage is that you know something nobody else knows. And one of the best examples of that for us is if you can get direct to seller off market and be the first person that the seller notifies when they're interested in selling... Yes. You have the opportunity to make offers that will make more sense for you than if a deal is brokered. 
100%. Now, I'm not trying to say try to sidestep brokers at all costs. And for the vast majority of commercial real estate investors, all of the assets they're interested in are going to be brokered. And that's not necessarily a problem. You need to find another advantage. An analytical advantage is a time when you have a way of reading the tea leaves or underwriting a deal in such a manner, or you have market-specific knowledge that helps you see upside other people don't see. An easy way to keep an analytical advantage in your investing is to stay in areas or asset classes that you understand really well. I have no idea how to improve a lot to improve the lot rent in mobile home parks. You have an analytical advantage over me there, Matt, for sure. Example. And the third is a behavioral advantage. Some people can say behavioral advantage is just stick to your guns, stick to your numbers, don't make offers that don't make sense. And in the long run, that'll work out for you. But another way to look at it is remaining disciplined can also mean remaining in the lead generation mindset of finding all of the mobile home park owners and operators around your parks, being the one who gets in front of them, demonstrates that you're the person who's going to care about their people when you acquire their property, when it's time for them to sell, but also maintaining the discipline of getting in front of deals, whether that's getting in front of brokers or getting in front of sellers directly. Yeah. Relationships matter, right? They do with partners, they do with owners and, and brokers. You're absolutely right. People have problems. They get emotionally attached to their home. People get emotionally attached to their business. They get emotionally attached to these things in life that are just 100% material, but they associate it with good times, bad times, and growing up and all that stuff. So they want to know that that's not going away, that it'll live on. And that's what you want to express to them. You always want to be totally honest with them, right? Yeah. The whole reason why we're here is to keep your park the same way to improve it, your legacy going, right? I think that's what you want to express when you're talking to owners and it makes them happy. Yeah. Totally. And yes, I have a business partner who says that it's when times are hard that you sharpen the ax. Welcome to the best ever pep talk for investors. (laughs) You think this is negative? I don't know. I I don't think this is negative. I just think it's realistic. These times are, I don't want to say worse, but they are more competitive than they were five years ago, six years ago. And it's good to hear this kind of stuff rather than, hey, this is great. You just keep doing what you're doing and get out there and it'll happen. You want to be able to keep up and know the market where it is today, not where it was five years ago and adjust. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Matt, are you ready for our best ever lightning round? I sure am. Awesome. What is the best ever book you've recently read? It's called Tribe of Millionaires. I recently joined Go Abundance Emerge, and it's one of the books that they ask that we read or require. I'm not sure if it's required reading or they ask that we do, but it's a really good book. It's just talks about accountability, talks about setting goals, accountability, just a bunch of stuff that'll move, move you forward in life. Tribe of Millionaires. Was that written by one of the Go Abundance guys? Actually, like four of them. David Osborne, Pat Hyben, Mike McCarthy, and Tim Rowe. Forward by Hal Elrod. So I was of just course. reading one of his books. What is it? Miracle the Miracle Morning. Morning. He's written several others. Yeah. Matt, what's your best ever way to give back? It's something I need to work on, honestly. Besides going to church and doing various church activities, I enjoy getting on the phone and just talking with people about real estate and answering questions. So people who aren't quite where I am, not that I'm all that, right? But uh, people who are a few steps behind, maybe I like talking to them and giving advice and things like that. What is the biggest mistake that you've made 
in your mobile home park investing? And what's the best ever lesson that you learned from it? Yeah, so it's interesting, right? So we are limited partners in a park in Arizona, and we actually had that park under contract. And this was when we had just started out, or this would have been our second park that we would have bought with M2K. And it was not a turnaround. It was fully occupied, and we just would have kept it. We were going to buy it at just above a seven cap, and we were just going to hold it. It was easy peasy, and we could not raise the money. And we thought that we would be able to. And it turned out that most of our investors that invested with us before really weren't interested because they liked the returns of the turnarounds as opposed to the turnkey. So we were not able to raise the money. So we lost our earnest money, spent all this money on due diligence and such. So we lost the earnest money, but we were able to help the current owner with some of the background and he basically cut us in for, for a lot of that money as limited partners. So we were kind of able to rescue a complete loss into, I don't know if you call it a win, but. What would you call the lesson learned from this? Is it about having better understanding of your investors and what they're interested in? <laughs> totally. That's lesson one. And lesson two is increase the types and amount of potential investors that you communicate with. Those are the two keys. Yes. Awesome. On that note, Matt, what's your best ever advice? I don't think that I would be anywhere or not nearly as far without my current partners. I feel like I've got so many weaknesses. I can count them on my hands and toes and probably yours too. Uh, and being a partner, you really can kind of just add to the partnership through your strengths and you basically partner away your weaknesses and other people's strengths to make up for your weaknesses. So I think that that is key, at least in my life here. It made things a lot easier. Awesome. And where can people get in touch with you, Matt? You can go to our website, m2kpartners.com and you can register, or I think my email's out there too. More than welcome to email me. And those links are in the show notes. Matt, thank you. Best ever listeners. Thank you as well for tuning in. If you get value from this conversation, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who we can add value to through our conversation. Thank you and have a best ever day.